He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Peace, 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 and welcome to The Rematch, which is part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. On The Rematch, you'll hear in-depth interviews with notable names from all walks of life. Because sometimes the media just doesn't get it right. The Rematch is that second opportunity to clarify, put things in proper context, correct fake news or misreported controversy, The media still exists as the most powerful entity on earth because they control the minds of the masses. I'm Atan Thomas, and the full truth is what we are aiming to catch. Many media stories omit details that would dilute their clickbait roar, and that's why there's a need for the rematch. On this episode, we spoke to four-time WNBA champion and 11-times WNBA All-Star Sue Bird. We discussed which of her championships meant the most to her, as well as her favorite NBA players to watch. We also discussed the activism of the WNBA players, especially in last year's bubble season. Them getting Reverend Warnock elected, getting Lafleur removed as the majority CEO of the Atlanta Dream, We discussed how white people can use their white privilege to become white allies. This was a great discussion. Hope you enjoyed. Sue Bird, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Well, thank you for coming on the rematch and thank you for being a part of my book. You know, um, I want to start off with, I mean, four-time WNBA champion, you know what I mean? 11-time WNBA all-star, like amazing. You're just trying to break every record. I, I want to ask you, um, you know, which championship was the most meaningful? Now, this is a tough question because I'm sure they all were very meaningful. But which one was the most meaningful before that you won? I know. I, I usually joke. I'm like, this is like asking parents for a favorite child. <laughs> right. Um, I now know how rude that was with me to ask my mom. Like, water. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, no, I'm joking. But <laughs> I actually do have an answer. And. It's not an easy choice, but I think the WNBA championship that we won in 2018 is probably always going to be like a little more meaningful just because um, very quickly our franchise was starting a rebuild Mm. in 2015. And it was like we went younger, you know, all of our veteran older players either left or got traded and we Mm. were essentially starting over. And the truth is, in that moment, I stayed on board. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, this is this is like my parting role is to make sure the franchise is in good hands to, right. like, you know, keep the culture going. Right. So to all of a sudden be in the finals three years later, like I, I didn't even expect to make the playoffs for the remainder mm-hmm. of my career. So to actually okay. win it in such a short time was absolutely incredible. Wow. Okay, that's great. That's great. And I mean, you know, and, and I talk a little bit before we go. Um, about last year's bubble season, because that was a special season as well. So yeah. talk about winning the championship in the bubble season, especially with everything that was going on. 
Right. I mean, that's what's always going to give it like, you know, some people are like, oh, these bubble seasons have an asterisk. I was like, you're right. They do. It was way harder. Right. <laughs> it was way harder because we obviously as athletes have goals on the court. You're trying to like stay mentally and physically ready for mm-hmm. you know, the grind of a season, the grind of a playoff run. But simultaneously, we were there for a bigger purpose. Right. And that also requires um, like another level of energy, of like mm-hmm. emotional energy. So it was it was a tough balance. And these topics are obviously, you know, very important in our society. But I think for a lot of people can be difficult and draining at times. Um, and I'm sure we'll touch on it. But that was one mm-hmm. of the reasons why our league decided to um, take that pause when the Milwaukee Bucks did. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of people were like actually just like in need of, of, a, of a rest. Right. It was just a lot. So being able to win, but also get a lot of work done off the court, 2020s, you know, like I said, the asterisk, that, 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 that means it was special. Right, right, right. Uh, you talked about taking a pause. And during that time, that's when we were both on Meet the Press yeah. uh, last summer. And, um, you know, after the, just to set the scene, the, the footage of Jacob Blake, you know, was released, being shot multiple times in the back by commercial police. And that went viral. And, you know, on Meet the Press, you mentioned how you, as, as a white person, uh, would talk and listen to the pain of your black teammates mm-hmm. and the impact that that had on you. And, you know, when you're talking about Meet the Press, you're trying to, you don't know if you should go long, or if you should, you know, <laughs> cut it short. But I wanted you to expound a little bit more um, on that point that you made. Yeah, I mean, so I think for me, um, my journey in this world, if you will, like mm-hmm. I've been really lucky to be exposed to a lot of different cultures, mm-hmm. both just from being a basketball player growing up in New York. Like I went to school in Queens. I was, um, you know, uh, from Long Island, which was predominantly white, but mm-hmm. then growing up in Queens and going to high school there, a lot of my teammates were obviously black. So mm-hmm. like I've, I've experienced some different worlds there playing in Russia just been exposed to tons of different culture. And the only reason why I bring that up is I feel like I have like a fairly well-rounded outlook. Okay. Simultaneously, when I talk to my black teammates, especially now, especially the last like, you know, six, seven, eight, however long, honestly, pandemic time, mm-hmm. like, what day is it? Right, How- right. And so right. the last year or so, mm-hmm. what, I've, what I've realized is like, I can, I can watch the footage. I mean, to be honest, I, I, I actually don't like watching footage of like, you know, right, right. like for example, but I can theoretically watch that footage and be appalled and disgusted and sad and hurt. Mm-hmm. And yet listening to my teammates and listening to how it makes them feel, mm-hmm. and seeing that it's bringing up old trauma for them. They're being like re-traumatized by it because everybody has a story, right. whether directly with them mm-hmm. or a family member or a friend you know, whether it's police brutality or racism, you know, a lot of my teammates have a story. And so to see that aspect of it, I can't, I'm not going to be able to experience that. I'm not going to be able to, you know, relate to that in that way. So that's when I know it's like, that's when you have to listen. That's when, that's when my learning curve kicks in. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realize two things. One, there's times to like shut up and listen, (laughs) to be honest, and take a, a step back. Mm-hmm. And then as a white, as a white person, a white player in this moment, there's times where I can be like help amplify mm-hmm. using my platform, using my voice. Um, but that's, that's really, that was really the learning process, understanding in that moment that this was like a re-traumatization that was happening. 
Right. You know, right. so just being a part of that and seeing it firsthand, um, it helped me learn, which is a, is a, is a huge thing. You got to be educated, mm-hmm. but also it helped me see where I can help. You know, it was interesting um, going back to Meet the Press. You know, we were on there, and um, Chuck Todd asked about, "Could we do more?" And do I have the feeling that we wanted you want to do more? And my response kind of threw him off a little bit, and I was like, "Of course!" And I made it personal, and I talked about my my family and my daughter and what I think about with my son. And if you you notice watching it, it kind of threw him a little bit, and he kind of paused for a little while. Didn't quite know, but that's why it, it's when you talk about white privilege, sometimes that's a uh, uh, a topic that's a little bit of a hot button topic if people don't quite understand what it means. But the privilege to not have to think about your children and your family anytime something like this happens, that's that's a privilege, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's one that I think, this is just my observations, but mm-hmm. it's the thing about like, well, A, I feel like part of my privilege is now, or part, part of the privilege I've gotten is now what I need to use, right? Like mm-hmm. I need to use that privilege if mm-hmm. you will, in, in, in ways to make positive impact. Mm-hmm. On the other side of it, it's something about when you tell somebody they've had privilege, they like internalize that as if they didn't work hard. Right. <laughs> as if like the things they got, they didn't work hard for them or they didn't, right. you know, like they got it the wrong way or they were right. getting it. Right. And I'm like, oh no, you worked hard. Like, I don't think, I don't think anybody <laughs> hard, right. but you still have privilege. Right. Like those two things exist at the same time. And I think some people don't, they view them as like, it's either one or the other and it's not. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's interesting because a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, I didn't come from money. They're right. like, okay, that's cool. But this doesn't have anything to do with money. You right. know, I mean, I, I played ball for over, over a decade in the NBA. So I have money, but when yes. my son is stopped by the police, the amount of money that I have doesn't save him. And that's the part that, you know, that connection that is missed sometimes. I think it's just monetary. Well, so it's interesting you say that because um, this is something that I think I knew. Like somewhere in the back of my head I knew. Mm-hmm. But it was when I believe it was um, one of the members of our executive committee. I'm on the executive committee for for the WNBA. And I think it was Lasia Clarendon okay. um, who, who first said back in March when we were, or maybe maybe more like, yeah, it was actually more like May, June when we were in these negotiations mm. about wanting Breonna Taylor on our jersey, mm. about wanting say her name on our shooting shirt, Black Lives Matter on the court. And she said it, and a lot of athletes have said it, but it really hit home hearing, like having this like one-on-one conversation. And she's like, when I take my uniform off, she's like, I am Breonna Taylor. Mm-hmm. And that's when, that's, you know, that's when it, for me, it was kind of like, oh, like, yeah. Right. Like that's what's, so to your point, doesn't matter. Right. Money, no money. Like fame, no fame, right. status, no status. Like this is the reality for Black people in our country. Mm-hmm. And talk to me about the conversations that you have with other white people. Like uh, I know because with other white teammates, it's a little bit different because y'all have a certain bond. So it's it's it, you know it's different. But outside of basketball, your conversations with other white people, where you're trying to maybe explain to them, or you know they don't get it, or they do get it. Just what it, share some experiences. Yeah, because I think it's really important for, you know, with white people who do get it, talking to other white people who, who don't get it. I think it's really, really important. So talk to me about that experience. Yeah. Um, so I've definitely had some, you know, interesting slash tough conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where, like, for me, my, my little process with this is I, because I 
again, I explained my journey a little bit mm-hmm. earlier. Like there were just certain things that I thought like everybody knew, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like whether it's about black culture or like, you know, the walk maybe of a black person in our country, just because I've been able to listen to stories. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard firsthand different experiences. I almost took for granted knowing that. And also simultaneously, it really opened my eyes to how little it's talked about in our like mainstream kind of media or just like in society. So a lot of the conversations are basically, I can't really pull specific right now, but a lot of them are just kind of like me sharing a story maybe of a, that a teammate told me mm-hmm. and you know, a friend or a family member being like, really? <laughs> like, yeah. What do you mean? You know? So a lot of times it's this, it comes from in the conversations I've had with friends and family, it comes from a place of like ignorance, I guess. Like they yeah. just don't know, but I'm like, that's the thing. You didn't have to know. Mm. You didn't know, but you know, like you didn't need to go know. Right. I don't know if that's worded right, but you didn't, there was no need for you to go do that. Whereas mm. like a lot of minorities in our world, they have, they know what white, white culture is about. Right. What it is to be white, they see it. It's around them, and they and they have to like. In the past, hopefully that changes, obviously, but they've had to like kind of um, learn how to like play in the white world, if you will. I don't know. Right. If that no, 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 definitely. Yeah, yeah. So that it's like so for me, I feel like what I've been able to do is just like pass these stories on, share experiences that 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 I've heard from you know my teammates or my friends who are black, right. and them to have these like moments, these teaching moments to open, you know, my white friend's eyes, so to speak. Yeah. And, and, you know, in sports, that's one thing about, you know, basketball, you know, sports just in general, it's a way that you'll, you'll be introduced to people who maybe you wouldn't have crossed otherwise. And I think that a lot of times when you're, when you're an athlete and you have those experienced people outside of athletics, they're not interacting with people from different cultures the same way that we are. And that, that plays a big difference. Do you agree? Oh, I, I literally was just talking about this yesterday. To me, the whole like shut up and dribble thing. Right. I'm like, yo, we have it figured out in sports. You guys like all like politicians, mm-hmm. like all kinds of people, like you should come see how sports teams interact, right. how we operate. To me, it's like, and I'm sure you can speak to this. You've been on teams where people didn't like each other. Of course. <laughs> you know, it is. But simultaneously, the culture of sports and the mm-hmm. culture of team sports is regardless of you like them, you don't like them, you know, like you believe what they say, you don't you agree, you don't agree, whatever it is, you're like, okay, but no, we're all equal on this team. We're all here trying to win. So we have to push these things to the side and do what's best for the team. Right. Like that to me thematically is how the whole world should operate. Definitely. And so like, tell me to shut up and dribble. I'm like, oh, I've lived in this ecosystem where I see that you're black. I know that I'm white. It's not that we don't see it. We do see it. But we, but we respect it, and we're here for the better of the team no matter what. You know yeah, what I mean? I do. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting in, like, 2021, you know what I mean, that you would have people who only interact with Black people from what they see in the movies and TV and music still, like now. Like, I can understand maybe, you know, going back to the 60s, like our, our parents' age, but right now, yeah. there are people who have no interaction with Black people at all except for what they see on TV. That's amazing to me. I know. And I think, um, again, I was just having a conversation um, with a friend of mine about this. And it's like, as messed up as what's happened in the last year, obviously beyond, but the last mm-hmm. year at the forefront. Mm-hmm. And it's like, terrible as like the insurrection was. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it pulled back the veil. Mm-hmm. And now we're forced to deal with it. 
So I, my hope is that, that because we're forced to deal with it now, it can start like real change, not just like this bandaid change. Like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll just like fix this with a bandaid. Like, no, we need like real surgery here. Right. I agree. <laughs> Cover it up. So that's kind of the hope I think. I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. Definitely, definitely. So, so let's pivot to specifically the WNBA and what you all um, have accomplished. I mean, consistently have accomplished, but I, I don't think that it's, it's ever really gotten enough, um, you know, praise. And, you know, because honestly, I'm looking at it from what the play, what the NBA accomplished last year and what they did um, in the bubble, um, the media blackout kind of. They took that directly from y'all a few years ago, which y'all did after the back-to-back murders of Orlando Castile and Alton Sterling. And it's it was it was amazing to me that it wasn't just a few players here and a few players there. All of y'all did it. So my first question, what I keep asking, I asked Renee Montgomery this, I asked Swin Cash this, I always ask, how did y'all do that to get everybody on board? Because nobody has done that. Like, no, not for everyone to be on board. You know, remember when, when Kaepernick first took a knee, he was out there by himself for a while. You know what I mean? And y'all have players, foreign players that aren't even from here, don't even know, like they play here for the season and they go back overseas, but you educated them and then they stood with you. I I just thought it was amazing. So break down to me how you are able to consistently accomplish this. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is just like how we've grown up in this world as female athletes and like what that walk is Mm -hmm. and the experiences we have. Sometimes I joke like, with the whole shut up and dribble, I'm kind of like, we tried. We tried to be basketball players. Y'all wouldn't let us. Right. Like, you know, all we're, you know, we're, we're judged on how we look, the color mm-hmm. of our skin, our sexual orientation, like all these things, right. what we can't do on the court. Mm-hmm. So I think we we all have developed this, this fight in us. And what 2016, which you brought up, I think mm-hmm. really taught us was we're way more powerful when we're one voice. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, to your point with Colin, it's like, it's just way more powerful had the whole league done it. Right. It just would have been. And it actually makes the messages power more powerful. And sadly, we have to talk about punishment in a way. But like, mm-hmm. you can't punish the whole league. Right. They try, and they, they tried to in 2016. Right. They tried to fine us for the teachers. Right. Right. And they had to take it back. It's just, you can't. It's too hard. We're so much stronger together. So I think 2016 showed us that. Because you know, it was actually Minnesota who, who kind of started it with their T-shirts, wearing, wearing them first, obviously because of what happened in, in Minnesota directly in Minneapolis. Right. And then New York Liberty did it. And then our whole league kind of got on board. And it was when the whole league got on board that we knew we could, for lack of a better, fight the league. Right. So when this year came around, mm-hmm. we already knew from experience. We knew, like, it's better for all together. Right. I'll say this. The one thing that was good about the bubble mm-hmm. is we're all in the same place at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yo, we got a Zoom. We're in right. quarantine and we have a Zoom at 8 p.m. And I know you're not doing anything. <laughs> like, you better be on that Zoom. Right, right, right. right. So it was good to like all be in the same place at the same time. That helped with the organizational part of it. But, okay. but we know, we know, we know we have to be unified. So when the Washington Mystics mm-hmm. walked in the arena with the bullet holes on their back, mm-hmm. And they were making a stance and they were really the first team that day Mm -hmm. that was like, we don't want to play. And we have conversations and we're open and we're honest. We're very lucky in that we're all on the same page Mm -hmm. on like 
on like what we want to do or like not what we like what we're representing what our values are mm-hmm. you know of course there's conversation on the how should we do this should we do that and there's conversations there right when you have the same values those conversations are easy gotcha got so you. there was depth there was conversation i mean it had to happen fast within like an hour mm-hmm. people on the phone people calling this what should we do what should we, should we do this should we do that but very quickly when it once it became clear that one team didn't want to play it was mm-hmm. like then, then none of us play and i think that's just like through experience knowing that we're stronger you know unified and we kind of just that's how we operate that's amazing i, I gotta honestly give you all so much credit for that i mean because that's what other organizations should model themselves after the way that you all operate. I mean, and, and even how you operated with uh, Kelly Loeffler and, yeah. and that talk about that, because that also was amazing because, you know, this is going against someone who, you know, and I, I don't like to use the word owner uh, for obvious reasons, but she is, you know, the, the one of the CEOs of the team, you know, and she comes out and she comes out, right. The majority. So, she comes out about this statement. Just, just walk me through it. So back, Breonna Taylor happened and, you know, everybody was talking about it. And then she made the statement to pretty much say that, you know, we shouldn't be injecting politics into athletics. And, you know, but she said we should have an American flag on, on it. And I was like, well, isn't that <laughs> so? But walk me through it. unites us. Right. That was, that was your tagline. Right. Well, we threw it happened in the way that you all banded together in that, because really, you know, there's so much that can be uncovered with that because that needs to be examined because Warnock was polling at 9% before yeah. y'all got involved. That has to continue to be repeated. He was polling at 9%. Basically, didn't nobody know about him like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So talk to me about how that all came about. Yeah, sure. Um, so like you said, we were being told not to make political statements by supporting Black Lives Matter, by say her name, by Breonna Taylor on our shirts, on our on the back of our jerseys. Mm-hmm. And so what was interesting was there was in the first 24 hours, so like you said, Kelly Loeffler wrote, so she wrote a letter. Mm-hmm. That's how it all, that's what the form, she wrote a letter to our commissioner. Okay. Once that came out, those first 24 hours, I think a lot of us, pretty much all of us, had like very knee-jerk emotional, like, get her out. Right. Donald swirling all over again. Right. That type of vibe. Mm-hmm. But what what kind of like quickly came to the forefront was, wait a minute, you know, like a stop in our tracks moment. Like, wait a minute. She's actually using us. Because the more we bark at her mm-hmm. and you know, be outraged. Mm-hmm the more Fox News is going to call her and be like, hey, you want to come on our show and talk about it? Right. And she can get more notoriety, get more coverage, mm-hmm. and also prove to her base mm-hmm. just how, like, you know, for lack of a better, Trumpy she is. Right. That's a good because, term. <laughs> yeah. Because right. in, those, in those 24 hours, it was actually brought to my attention by a family member mm-hmm. that he was using us. It never really – and I was like, oh, my God. I was like, you're right. Right. And I just, I, I started Googling, our EC started talking, and um, Reverend Warnock actually wrote, like, put out a press release, like a statement, mm-hmm. calling her out on this. And I was like, that's the guy. I was like, this is like, this is, we're aligned. And then we obviously had to do, like, our own little vetting process, right. you know, and see what he was about. And as it turned out, and as the world now knows, and definitely Georgia now knows, like, 
He's an amazing candidate, now an amazing senator. Mm -hmm. Values align across the board. Mm -hmm. Like you name it, values align. And it just felt like, okay, so the louder we are against her is actually going to help her. Mm -hmm. Kind of this pawn. So what if we just like redirect and don't get in some like political spat? And I always joke, I'm like, who the hell are we <laughs> to get in like a political argument? Like I'm not trying to do that. Like that's right. not that's not my strength. Right. Um, because listen, she's a politician mm -hmm. and she's obviously a million or billionaire. Right. So she's got a lot of political strategists on her side. I'm not trying to fight that. Mm -hmm. So we all collectively um, redirected got right back on the path of what we went to the bubble for, which mm -hmm. was all the things I've named, mm -hmm. you know, social justice. And, and it was also like, wait a minute, we also talk about voting a lot. So it just like, it all aligned. And it was like, you know what? We're going to continue our messaging. We're going to forget this. But what we're also going to do is talk about voting and then talk about this candidate that we like. And then it's like, listen, I'm not going to lie. The byproduct is if he wins, she doesn't. Right. <laughs> and that to me is in some ways getting her out of the Senate has more meaning for all of us mm -hmm. than getting her out of the WNBA, which I'm sure is going to happen, by the way. So it's right. not, it wasn't like one or the other. Right. In that moment, the focus needed to be on the Senate seat, not the ownership, because that's what she wanted. She mm -hmm. wanted that ownership fight. We mm -hmm. weren't having that fight. Mm -hmm. We got right back on, on track to what we got there for. And I think it like, it was hard to quiet down the players at first because, like I said, everybody, myself included, I tweeted, everybody kind of was a little right. more about it. Right, right. Once we kind of realized, like, oh, this is more impactful, boom, hit the ground running, everybody on board. So it was um, it was such a unique time, but also speaks to what we were talking about earlier with just, like, how organized we are, how strategic we are, mm -hmm. and how we know when we're all doing it together, it's way more powerful. That's amazing. And so did y'all try to meet with her? Like, what – did she try to address you all after she made nothing? No. Wow. This is my favorite part. So my favorite part is we met with Warnock. We had multiple Zoom calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to know him. That was, you know, like like I said, we we weren't just going to support someone just to support someone. That right, right. Was about. Mm -hmm. um, no, and my favorite part is the statement she put out after we kind of got angry at her. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember what it said, but you know, the, the four or five line statement she put out after we wore the Warnock t-shirts mm -hmm. and they asked her about it. She essentially just put out the same statement. And I was like, yes. <laughs> there really was nothing to say at that point. Right. I'm going to say, we weren't talking about her. We were just talking about him. Right. That's great. That felt good. That's great. And tell me about the work that y'all did specifically with Stacey Abrams too. Yeah. 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 You can't get lost in any of this. So, right. Um, when I say the stars align, I've never in my life experienced something where everything just fell into place. Mm -hmm. Because, um, like I said, once we found Warnock, um, as it turns out, two things. One, Stacey Abrams had already endorsed him. And mm -hmm. they're like homies. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and, we, and Stacey Abrams, like they've known each other forever. Obviously, have the Georgia connection. And Stacey Abrams is one of our um, player advisory. Um, one of our, I forget what the name of it. She's one of the advisors. Okay. Uh, on our council to our union. Okay, got you. Board of advisors. That's board of advisors. All right. Advisors. I got you. We have direct line contact to her. Oh. And so on that very first Zoom, she was there as kind of like, you know, like just like a middleman, you know, someone who can introduce the reverend to us, 
she can introduce um, us to the Reverend. And it was, it was really nice to have that. Mm. And like I said, like this world of politics, like obviously we're all, everybody's life is political, but some people are more read up on it than others. Mm. So it was just, it was really nice to have somebody guide us. And that's where Stacey Abrams, I mean, listen, Stacey Abrams' role in this cannot be, I mean, just cannot be un- undertold or undersold. But, um, that in that moment was where she played a huge role for us. And then also, very quickly, our former president, Lisa Borders, mm-hmm. who knows the players, obviously, she was our president. She was working directly with Reverend Warnock's campaign as well. So it was okay. like, oh, Lisa is you know, working on his campaign. It was like, oh, my God, like all these people we know and trust. Right. Are are with this man and behind this man. So just like I said, stars align. Wow. That's great. Absolutely amazing the way that you all organize. Honestly, I it needs to be written about more. Um <laughs> and I'm sure and I'm sure as as we go back and we're looking at, you know, you know, looking back on athlete activism and things of that nature, it will be, you know, examined the way that you all operate because it's absolutely amazing. But um, you know, I I, I just want to thank you for Everything you stand for, you know, the, the 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 way you stand as an ally, the way you you know speak to white privilege, speak to other. I mean, the whole the whole thing. I, I think is I think it's really amazing, and, and and I think that what you do is that you influence other white people, and you can they will hear you differently than they would. Hear. You know, that's just the nature of it. They, you know, because that's why we need white allies. You know, yeah. because there's some certain things. It doesn't matter if LeBron says it. It doesn't matter if Steph Curry says it. They're only going to hear it if Popovich says it or Mark Cuban. It's just that's just the way that it is. So you um, having the, the the moral courage to be able to stand on things that might not necessarily directly impact you, but have empathy to be able to say, well, it's still wrong that that impacts anybody. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what creating empathy is all about. So I really I really thank you for that. All right, one question, one more basketball question, and then and then so your your favorite point guards, both in the WNBA and in the NBA, your favorite point guards. I'll give you a chance to think about it. And I'll just talk a little bit because I, you know, that, you know, the point guard is such a special position and they're so different and everything like that. But you know, who are your favorite in the WNBA and in the NBA? Okay. So I'll start NBA. Okay. Um, and I kind of have like categories. So I have three that come to mind. Okay. My favorite player of all time is Mike Bibby. Okay. Okay. So I discovered Mike Bibby probably the same time everybody else did when he was making that championship run in Arizona. I was in high school and he's not that much older than me. So it wasn't like I grew up watching him. Right. The second I started watching him, the three things that stuck out, I was like, wait a minute, he wears number 10. Okay. I was like, 10. I was like, boom. Right. Come to find out. I've actually um, become friends with him like later and come to find out like he's, he's like really passionate about the number 10. He actually, him and his friends have this thing called Team Dime, like their little crew. And I was like, yes, I'm like, I knew I liked you for a reason. <laughs> um, he's bow-legged. I'm okay. bow-legged. Okay. And the more serious part is he, to me, is one of the first, um, not the only, not the last, obviously, but like mm-hmm. like one of the first like scoring point guards. You know, okay. a point okay. guard who's running the show but can score. Okay. And that's, that's like how I view myself. Mm-hmm. I'm probably – more point guard he's probably more scorer but still there's like a, a mixture there that i've always seen in his game that i really like so he's always been one of my favorites okay all right two these ones will be quick i mean john stockton okay it's like the og how do you yeah. and when i broke this the assist record in the WNBA, uh-huh. 
uh-huh. his assist holder in the NBA. He actually called. Oh. Like, oh, I'm always going to love you now. <laughs> the biggest thing ever. <laughs> That's cool. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> and then the player, though, that, like, I would pay to watch. And I don't know about you, but as, like, an athlete, mm-hmm. that, that to me, like, means a lot because we usually don't have to pay to go see people watch. It's, it's a benefit. It's a plus. Right, 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 right. You know? So right. like, the player that no matter is Kyrie Irving. Like, ah. he's he's like right now current player my favorite mm-hmm. to watch find him so entertaining the things he does you know what i mean it's like mm-hmm. him steph curry they're like ch- literally changing the game of basketball right so, Kyrie, for, for a lot of reasons but that's one of them okay, um, okay on the WNBA side right. yeah if we go og i mean like so talk about paying to, to to watch someone play like tisha penichero was just so entertaining as a player right so and i got to play with her obviously i played against her for mm-hmm. You know, number of years, but I got to go play with her in Russia, and it was just fun to like see how she operated, see how she approached the game, how how intelligent, how smart. I love yeah. about her game, and then just the flashiness. Mm-hmm. It's exciting to watch. Yeah. But my favorite of all time is probably Lindsay Whalen because we just were like of a similar age, and we were kind of like, you know, we were like the point guard bar. We right. were the ones, you know developing that bar and every time she raised it up i had to meet it and every right. time she raised it up she had to meet it and it was right. good to have somebody like that like playing at the same time where you could battle where you could compare but then simultaneously on the national team we got to be teammates right so it was like you know we're, we're homies too so it was like a fun relationship in that way that's great that's great that's great oh that was a great breakdown no i know a lot that's that's fantastic so well listen i like i said i appreciate you um, and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for being in my book and keep doing what you're doing. Much respect to you. Same. Right back at you. Thank you for listening to the rematch. You can find more episodes on basketballnews.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find my articles on basketballnews.com along with exclusive content from Kenyon Martin James Posey, and more. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Thomas 36 Let me know what you thought of this episode and who you'd like to see as a guest. I would love your feedback. <laughs>